This is the From Want to Hunt podcast, where we give you the information to take you from want to hunt. Thank you for tuning in to episode three of From Want to Hunt. I'm your host, David Mefford. In this episode, we'll discuss something that I'm sure many of you have been wondering over the past two episodes, and that's how can I hunt if I don't have any land? Even if you do have land, maybe you want to find more places to hunt. Uh, When it comes to land, putting it simply, there are two kinds, public and private. Public land is owned by the people as a whole, but managed by state or federal agencies. Private land is owned by specific people. Uh, When you drill down to it, the two types can get kind of complicated, but putting it simply, those are the two types. Public land can be national forests, land managed by the Bureau of Land Management, or state-managed wildlife management areas. Uh, There are other types of public land, but those are the major types. Just because land is public, though, does not mean that it's available to hunt on. Or even if it is, it may have regulations on hunting that are stricter than your normal hunting regulations. Some states have partnerships with private landowners for things called walk-on access. For general usage, this land is very similar to just public land, but the private owners have opened it up for the public to walk on and hunt. Uh, It's just something to look out for while you're looking online for public places to hunt. Public hunting access is very easy to find. Uh, Checking the website for your local Department of Fish and Wildlife or Department of Natural Resources, you should be able to find it. Uh, Be sure of any additional restrictions on these places, though, as those will be listed online as well. Private land could be land you own personally. Even if you own a quarter acre in a suburb, you may be able to hunt in your own backyard, but you would have to check the laws of your city to see if that's allowed. Farms in rural areas are private land, normally owned by a local farmer that lives and works to some extent on the land, although some could be farms owned by a company that the people working there wouldn't have any say on what happens with the land. If you have any family members that own land, you could ask them if anyone hunts it, and if they wouldn't mind if you did. You may be able to find a mentor, either in a family member or someone a family member knows, on top of getting a place to hunt. It doesn't hurt to knock on doors and introduce yourself to farmers. I've gotten permission to hunt farms to assist with controlling crop damage being caused by deer, as well as ask to take out any predators I see that could harm livestock. A really great way to approach farmers is to offer labor in exchange for the ability to use the land to hunt. If you aren't afraid of breaking a sweat, you could find yourself baling hay, repairing fences, assisting with livestock vaccinations, or cutting wood during the summer in exchange for a place to hunt in the fall. If you see someone that has a large tract of land that just seems unused and isn't being farmed, it may not hurt to knock on their door and ask for hunting permission as well. The worst case is that you're told no, but being polite and upfront with what you want to do can go a long way for getting you a place to hunt. Be sure to be respectful of any land you are given permission to hunt on. Don't leave trash and don't make any modifications such as building permanent structures like a hunting blind or cutting down trees or limbs without permission. On farms, leave any gate the way you see it. If it's closed when you go through it, reclose it. If it's open, leave it open. The farmer likely has the gates that way for a reason. If you feel something's out of place, let the farmer know. Some people own land that they rent or lease the rights to hunt on. This can range in price not just from state to state, but from property to property. Some places charge a flat rate for hunting rights, some by the number of people that you'll be taking hunting, and others just a set amount per acre and may divide up their land amongst multiple people depending on how many acres you want to pay to lease. Some leases could be for a full year, others just for a specific season or game species. You can find places to lease on sites like Craigslist or find a site that's local to your region that 
manages leased land. Uh, there are some sites that are almost like Airbnb for hunting land. Even though someone else owns the land, normally all of the management of your hunting area is done by you. Any stands or blinds you plan to hunt from or any trail cameras that you want to put up would be done by you. If your budget allows, you could go for what is usually the most expensive type of private land to hunt, and that's with an outfitter. Outfitters range in amenities offered, price, and hunt durations. Sometimes an outfitter is only charging for their time and expertise, and they may take you out on public land to hunt. Some outfitters will guide you on their land to hunt, and some let you hunt their land. And even though they don't go out with you, they'll tell you where you can sit at to see the animals that you're after. More expensive outfitters usually have a cabin on site for you to stay at while you're there. Others may only have a campground, and some don't have any lodging, and you have to find a hotel or something nearby to stay in while you aren't hunting. With almost every choice of land type, uh, there are hurdles to overcome. With public land, the biggest complaint from most people is the number of other hunters around. If you only have a small plot of public land, you could walk in and see hunters every hundred yards or maybe even closer than that. The density of hunters can cause issues with animals being pushed away, meaning less chance of a successful hunt. Sometimes, when you shoot an animal on public land and go to retrieve it, there could be another hunter trying to lay claim to the same animal, either maliciously or they could have also shot it as well. The crowding can also cause some safety concerns if other hunters are not aware of their surroundings and where they're shooting. Another issue with public land is that any gear you leave in the field could be stolen or damaged. People report every year that trail cameras, even ones in locked boxes, are stolen, that straps are cut on stands if not completely stolen, or blinds that they've left out have been destroyed or stolen. So a good rule of thumb with public land is just to not leave anything out there. There are some tracts of public land that are landlocked by private land. Short of hiring a helicopter to take you in and drop you off, there isn't any easy way to access it without permission from a property owner that owns neighboring land. Sometimes you may find out, even if you can access public land, the property lines may not be very well marked, so you could end up trespassing on private land without meaning to or even knowing it. There are places you can get paper maps or view maps online showing where public land is, and knowing where land boundaries are can be a great help before you go out. There are several options to keep yourself where you should be when you're in the field. You can buy uh, maps for a specific hiking or outdoor GPS that have the property lines, but if you don't want to buy a GPS just for this, there are a few options of apps you can purchase for your smartphone that will show you the land information as well. Um, you can just search on your app store for these, as there are a multitude of them that all have great reviews. Public land could have restrictions that you may or may not run into on private land. You may not be allowed to bring in a vehicle, such as an ATV, to help you haul your game out. This can leave you hiking out with everything you brought in, as well as the animal you now need to take out. A common restriction for public land is also on weapon use. Within 30 minutes of me, there are three state-managed wildlife areas that I could show up and hunt on. All three only allow archery hunting, though. If I wanted to rifle hunt on public land in my own state, I'd have to drive over two hours one way to get to a wildlife management area that allows rifle hunting. A closer option for me would be to drive 45 minutes into another state to attract a public land that allows rifle hunting, but that leaves me to have to buy another hunting license at a non-resident price to hunt that land. The other thing is, is that state has stricter rifle regulations, so I would have to also buy a new weapon as the rifle I hunt with is not legal in that state. Hunting on land owned by friends or family could have its own issues as well. 
You might shoot an animal that someone else has been watching for months or years. Some people get very attached to animals they've watched and stalked, and you may cause some hurt feelings or anger if you shoot an animal that they felt like was theirs to take. You may also get the short end of the stick, so to speak, if friends or family let you hunt their land. If someone just feels obligated to let you come out and hunt, and that's their only reason for having you out, you could be given the worst spot on the property. If this is the case, you could be set up for complete failure and never harvest an animal. I don't feel like this is super common, but it is something I have seen happen to other people. When hunting farmland, farmers are normally not going to stop their agricultural activities just to accommodate your hunting. Uh, this is a big hurdle because the land is there for them to make money from their crops and livestock first and foremost. Speaking from personal experience, when livestock are moved to different fields or when crops are harvested, wildlife will change their patterns. Uh, this season, I had a tree stand near a mineral lick I'd put out. I had a lot of deer movement on camera, and I had a great feeling about the spot. I couldn't wait for bow season to open. A week before bow season, the farmer put up a temporary electric fence around the field and moved his cattle into it, and they stayed there for a little over a month. This changed the patterns of the deer I'd seen and kept them from getting within bow range of the stand I'd set up. This is all part of hunting on a farm, though. The agricultural activities take precedence over everything else. Be sure to keep an eye out for livestock as well when hunting a farm. You need to be sure of what you're shooting at, what's around, and what's behind it. Having to pay for a cow because you didn't know it was behind that deer or turkey you took a shot at is not anyone's idea of fun. I'm lucky enough to be allowed to hunt the farms I have access to whenever I want, but some farmers may place restrictions on when you can come out and hunt. You may only be able to come out on evenings, weekdays, or any other number of requests they have for you. You may also be asked not to hunt with rifles, crossbows, or other weapons due to the farmer's beliefs or what they think is safe. And even if you follow all of their requests, your permission to hunt a farm could be revoked at any time. Or any sort of private land, actually. Uh, and when it comes to leased land, the biggest hurdle, of course, is the cost. And your cost may be higher based on the number of hunters in your group. Leased land can also be very fickle. You could spend the whole year working on land improvements to make your hunts more successful, only to have the landowner lease the land to someone else next year and not give you the option to lease it. If the landowner you're leasing from only leases part of the land to you, you could have issues with the other people leasing the land, coming onto your section, and causing problems during your hunt. Outfitters share that cost hurdle with leased land, and if you're going to an outfitter that fills hunting time slots, you might be out your money if something comes up that causes you to miss being able to go out for your hunt. Outfitters normally book themselves full for the season, so missing your slot can mean missing your chance to hunt that year. Some outfitters, especially ones that do hunts on their own land, could also charge more based on what animal you harvest as well. Outfitters that put up high fences to cultivate trophy animals have a price tag for almost every, if not every, animal on the property. So you could end up spending several thousand more dollars over just the cost of going out and hunting just to take a shot on the animal that you want to shoot. If you don't have the money to go out and buy your own land on your own, or for leasing land or for going to an outfitter, you may be able to afford going when in with friends or family to purchase land. Uh, this has a lot of concerns and hurdles of its own, and I know it's not the easiest option, uh, but it's becoming a more and more popular option for hunters. In North America, hunting has evolved a lot. It used to be the way to put meat on the table. Uh, around the turn of the century, hunting became mostly for the poor man that couldn't afford to go out and buy meat from the grocery store. 
Now hunting has become a hobby for those that can afford it, and it's become expensive. More and more private land is being leased instead of hunters being allowed to hunt for free, or it's being bought by outfitters to sell time slots for hunting. Uh, this is what's driving more and more people to go in with friends and family to buy land just to make sure they can have a place to hunt. Uh, and also because of the land issues, hunter participation is dropping due to the loss of hunting land. A final option for a place to hunt uh, would be looking into joining a hunt club. For this episode, this is mostly a footnote because you'll likely spend years or the rest of your life waiting on a list to join a hunt club. A hunt club is a group that's purchased land for the purpose of hunting and promoting outdoor and sportsman activities, but purposefully has limited membership to make sure all members can go out and hunt the land. Members pay monthly or yearly for the ability to use the resources of the club. Some clubs may only be a group of people that like to hunt, but don't actually have the land available to hunt, so be aware of this when you're looking to join one, if you do look to join one. A hunt club without hunting land will normally have a clubhouse, a shooting range, and maybe a lake to fish in. If these are amenities you want, even without the hunting land, it may still be worth it for you to join. This episode hopefully left you with a lot to think about and got you steered in the right direction on finding a place to hunt. If you have any questions, please reach out to me so I can address your question directly or on a future episode. You can email me at fromwant2hunt at gmail.com or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram under the name fromwanttohunt, all one word. Thank you for tuning in to the From Want to Hunt podcast. On the next episode, I'll be discussing the art of the hunt. I will be discussing scouting and what to look for while scouting your hunting location. Before I close out, I do want to give credit for the music in the intro. The track is Eyes Gone Wrong by Kevin McLeod. His website is incompetech.com. The track is used and licensed under the Creative Commons license by Attribution 3.0.